Friends, welcome back to The Word is Resistance, the podcast where we're exploring what our sacred texts have to teach us about being in the context of empire, tyranny, violence, and repression, the times in which we're living today. What do our sacred stories have to teach us, as white people, about our role in resistance and in showing up for liberation? My name is Will Green. This podcast is a project of Surge Faith. Surge is a national network of groups and individuals organizing white people for racial justice. This podcast is designed to be a resource for white people working to resist racism and white supremacy. We welcome your feedback and especially appreciate feedback and accountability from listeners of color. So, it's me again, Will. I think this is the third episode in a row I've recorded for The Word is Resistance, which has been awesome for me, and I appreciate you indulging me and in listening. A little bit about me to introduce myself again. I'm a United Methodist pastor who lives on land that was inhabited by Pentecook people before the Christian invasion of 1620. I'm a white, cisgender, gay man, my pronouns are he, him, his, who serves a congregation in so-called Andover, Massachusetts. In addition to ministry in my church setting, I'm also involved in the work of prison abolition. I believe in a world without prisons. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Word is Resistance. The Bible readings for this week are about people who are called by God. We have a chance to reflect on how God calls us. How do we know when God calls us? What does that even mean? What does it feel like? How do we react? How should we respond? What do we learn? What's the risk? These are the type of questions I'm thinking about with these stories. Let's get into them. The first reading is the story of Samuel being called by God. As you may remember or may not, Samuel was very young at the time, just a child, and God tries to talk to him. The first thing Samuel has to do is try to figure out what is going on. Samuel does not even know who is calling him. It's not an easy thing for him to figure out. And once he does figure it out, with major help from a friend, he has to decide what to do with the information that God has shared with him. This is not an easy thing for him to figure out either. Being called by God is confusing, and it creates conflict for Samuel and for us. That's my little introduction. Uh, the one other thing I want to say, just in case you don't know this story, in addition to Samuel, a young boy, there's also a character named Eli, who is Samuel's elderly mentor. Eli is in charge of worship in the temple where Samuel is being trained for religious leadership, we'll say. So here's the reading. It's from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 20. Uh, this is from the so NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version. It goes like this. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called 
Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Here I am, and ran to Eli, and said to him, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So Samuel went and lay down. The Lord called again. Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again, a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli, Eli, perceived that the Lord was calling the boy Samuel. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears it tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and Eli did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel said, here I am. Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel did tell Eli everything and hid nothing from him. Then Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and the Lord let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. Here ends the reading. Finally, that was long. Weird and interesting story, right? Uh, I'm going to talk about this story and then at the end uh, talk about the gospel reading. Uh, but first, this story. Let me ask you directly to get right into it. Has God called you to anti-racist work? Has God called you to play a part in dismantling white supremacy? Have you felt someone or something speaking to you and inviting you to pursue justice and to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Is that a call that you specifically have heard? Be honest. 
If God has so called you, then I wonder if you can identify with some of the experiences of Samuel that I see in this reading. For starters, I wonder if you can identify with the confusion about what exactly is going on in your life. Samuel was so confused at the start of this story. Have there been times when it's been very unclear to you who or what is calling you? Has it been easy for you to know where to turn and who to talk to in response to this call? Have you done things incorrectly and awkwardly at times, like when Samuel thought that Eli was the person who was calling him? Have there been times when you have engaged people or systems that you thought could tell you what to do or direct you only to find out that they weren't even the ones calling you? That's what happened to Samuel. He heard a verse, a voice calling his name, and he dutifully reported to his mentor, to his supervisor, Eli, steward of the temple, and asked what Eli wanted. Eli had no idea what Samuel was talking about. Can you identify with this? I can identify with this. For me, as a pastor who serves a local congregation, there have been times when God has called me to engage in the ministry of justice seeking. And instead of responding to the God who's calling me, I've reported back to the membership of my church, like Samuel incorrectly going to Eli, or I've reported uh, to the denominational authorities of the United Methodist Church or other sources of recognized authority, and they have had no idea what I was talking about. It, much like Eli in the story, there have been times when I have tried to respond in faith, and the people I have responded to have said, we didn't call you to do this, we don't know what you're talking about. You know, it's maybe that's not because I'm stupid. Maybe it is. I don't know. It's probably irrelevant. The thing is, for all of us, the reason this happens, that we sometimes go to the wrong sources or report to the wrong people or systems, it's because interpreting a call is something that takes discernment. It's a spiritual experience to know when God is calling you. It's not as easy as following the, the chain of command in your organizational chart of your workplace. Discerning a call is an entirely different sort of thing. When it happens to you, you need to figure out how to respond. It's not as easy as checking off a box or signing a petition, or agreeing to take on a specific task. It takes discernment to recognize who or what is calling you. I ask you again, have you been called to the work of anti-racism? This takes discernment. Uh, there's, a, there's a less spiritual way of saying this, instead of saying, this takes discernment. Sometimes it just feels like to figure out who or what is calling you, instead of the spiritual set term saying it takes discernment. Sometimes we just feel like it takes failure. Samuel came up with some wrong answers and responses before he figured out who was calling him. He did this multiple times, and that was part of his journey. I know what that's like too, and I bet you do too. Sometimes we just don't know what the hell we're doing, and it shows. We go right when we're supposed to go left. We zig when we're supposed to zag. We respond and try our best and follow our instincts, and we get it wrong and fail. Guess what? That's a spiritual experience, too. Failure 
is a spiritual experience. It's part of the journey we are on. People committed to pursuing justice know a lot about failure, don't we? Yes, we know about failure. We get shit wrong. And hopefully, we learn and reflect and try a different approach and connect with new people and don't give up, but continue to try to listen, to discern, to respond, to experiment, and to act. Do you feel this rhythm from the story of Samuel, this rhythm of discernment, failure, and persistence? This boy didn't know what was going on. Neither do we some of the time either. Do you know the values of Surge, the actual written, professed values of showing up for racial justice? They're on, uh, I'm going to refer to two of them. Uh, one of them is this, very simply, goes like this. Take risks, make mistakes, learn, and keep going. This reminds me of Samuel and what it means to be called by God. Just to get in touch with God, you have to take risks, make mistakes, learn, and keep going. We could call that spiritual discernment 101. Let me quote a little bit more from showingupforracialjustice.org. This is the description, longer description, of this value Take risks, make mistakes, learn, and keep going. I'm quoting here. It says, quote, As white people, we are going to make mistakes when doing racial justice work. It's inevitable. We don't know anyone who has been in the work and hasn't made a mistake. Not a single person. People of color take risks every day by living and moving through the world. We commit to challenging ourselves to be outside our comfort zones when doing this work. While we take on real risk, we know that the risk is always greater for people of color. When we make mistakes, we want to take the time to reflect on them thoughtfully and keep moving in the work. We cannot let making mistakes prevent us from continuing our work. There's just too much at stake. I'm still quoting here. We need to support our friends and members of our group when they make mistakes to learn and stay in motion. That's the end of the the quote of this wonderful description of this value. Okay, back to Samuel and thinking about being called by God. The call is not a self-evident, easy-to-follow set of instructions that we can copy and paste and simply implement. God's call can be confusing. It, It needs to be interpreted. So moving on in my interpretation of this story, like Samuel who turned to his mentor, Eli, we too need other people to help us figure out what we're supposed to be doing. Now, it's true. Samuel was called by God. Good for him. He was very special. But Samuel still needed another person, a friend, an ally, a community, to figure out what was going on. And maybe this is a stretch, but this reminds me of another of Serge's values. This is uh, another one, uh, another quote, much shorter quote, uh, from uh, Showing Up for Racial Justice's website under values. One of the values is accountability through collective action. I'm, I'm saying that this is another way of thinking of how Samuel turned to Eli to try to figure out what the hell was going on and what he was supposed to do about it. I'm not saying Samuel was necessarily trying to be accountable the way we mean it in Surge necessarily. Maybe he was 
Maybe he was trying to be just an obedient doobie. I don't know. But as I reflect on this story, I understand Samuel to be reaching out to other people to try to figure out his next steps. Do you see it? You have to connect. You have to reach out. Get coffee together. Talk to other people who can help you figure it out. This, too, is a spiritual experience. Friendship. Accountability. Connecting with other humans you trust. I see all of this in the story of Samuel's call. If you are called by God, you need to reach out to other people in many ways. If Samuel had just enjoyed the sound of God saying his own name, and if he hadn't hopped up to respond, the story wouldn't have gone anywhere. It just would have been a nice little dream for Samuel to enjoy in his own head. The same thing could happen for you and me if we don't hop up and get connected when God calls us, if we don't pick up a phone or go to a meeting or sit down with someone uh, who can uh, help us figure out what to do next. If we don't do these things, then this call from God would stay a private little meditation that rattles around in our own head. Not good enough. When we are called, we respond by connecting with others. There is no time to get self-satisfied with having been called. Not connecting with others is the equivalent of avoiding the call entirely. Uh, These are the sorts of things I'm thinking about with this story. Of course, as we get to the actual content of God's word to Samuel, the situation gets much more serious. Briefly and importantly, Samuel is called to proclaim a word against an institution that he has served and been a part of. He is called by God to be a part of delegitimizing and dismantling something that he is personally intimately involved with, that has formed him, that has partially made him who he is. He's called to speak against his own people, his own house, the tradition he's a part of. God calls him to disavow all of this, not just to walk away from it, but to preach against it. (sighs) That's not an easy or pleasant task, and Samuel realizes that this is no joke, and it's going to permanently alter his future should he choose to engage this message. I'm guessing I don't have to spell this out for you, but as I think about this, I'm obviously thinking about my connection to whiteness as someone who is white. It's my home, my tradition, my people, my background, the system that raised me and first taught me about God. This is all true. And I know that whiteness is also something that is not of God. It is a system that needs to be destroyed for the sake of all that is holy. Is that a message you would want to be entrusted with? What are you going to do about it? How will you respond to such a call? This is a message that is going to make Both ears tingle of anyone who hears it. We need some biblical guidance and some divine intervention. Not just for the sake of our own courage and fortitude, but also for the sake of what is going to come next in the new world that is being built up out of the old. Now, let's hear the gospel reading. This story is also about being called by God. Another story, different experience. It's shorter, 
from the Gospel according to John, chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. This is the end of the first chapter of the fourth gospel. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked Jesus, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. He said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I get so excited and I feel so good about how this story about Jesus calling the first disciples is so open-ended. Jesus calls the disciples in this story simply by saying, follow me. And the disciple to whom uh, Jesus says, follow me, says to his friend, come and see, which is also a, a phrase that Jesus uses to invite people to follow him. Come and see. What on earth does that mean? Come where? See what? We don't know. Those answers belong to a future that we can only explore if we respond in good faith to the open invitation from Jesus. Come and see. We're going to figure this out together. I want to say this. As someone on the political left, if I can use that language, I know what it is like to be uh, shut down and tuned out by people who say to me, they say to me, if you're so critical of everything, then why don't you just tell us what the answers are to all the world's problems? Why don't you just tell us how we can solve everything that's wrong with the world if you don't like things the way they are and if you think things are so bad? Do you ever get that? I hate when people say stuff like that to me, as if the only response to problems is to pretend like we know how to solve them already. I don't know. I don't have answers to everything, but that doesn't mean I'm going to accept the world the way it is now. I'm totally okay with exploring, experimenting, searching for the open-ended instead of just continuing down the path we're on. My point is, this makes me think of the call of Jesus saying, follow me, come and see. I feel Jesus saying, let's see if we can figure something out. Let's get creative. Let's do something that we haven't finished imagining yet. This is not a, a strategic plan. It's a spiritual invitation. Sometimes I feel the same spirit of Jesus around political possibilities. Come and see. What a call that is. We won't know until we start journeying and dreaming and going someplace we haven't been before. 
it's no, it's an amazing way that uh, this gospel according to John begins. And it's an amazing way to begin to be a disciple of Jesus. Come and see. This too is what it means to be called by God. It makes me wonder what God is going to do with our faith. Thank you for joining me. Uh, you can find out more about Surge at showingupforracialjustice.org, and our podcast lives at SoundCloud. Search The Word is Resistance. You can interact with us there. Transcripts are available on our website. As I said before, next week it won't be me. Uh, so be sure to listen for some input from another contributor. As always, the music you hear is a live recording of a song gifted to the freedom movement by Dr. Vincent Harding. It's titled, We Are Building Up a New World. The group you hear singing is No Enemies, a multiracial group of activists and musicians in Denver, Colorado, who come together for movement choir practice to bring singing back into direct actions in other movement spaces. This particular choir practice is from December 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We're deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. <laughs>